0: Well, really glad to, to have you back with us this week, and if you're kind of a guest with us tonight, uh, you're picking into a series that we jumped into last week, and, and I hope I'll catch you up a little bit, refresh you uh, a little bit in that, and I hope that, that you'll find tonight really practical. I'm going to try to get real practical with some, some wisdom cultivation. Anyone ever grow up on a farm? Raise your hand. One maybe okay anyone ever had a garden before okay that lived (laughs) yeah i guess that's a key thing um okay maybe you had a garden you started a garden anyone okay how many of you had a garden that lived okay a few of you a few less of you uh anyone ever do the only gardening i've ever done this may remind you of what you did in elementary school remember where you got like dirt and you put it in a styrofoam cup right And then you had a seed, and you put it in there, and, like, you watered it a little bit, and it went in a windowsill. Anyone ever done that? Okay, this is my kind of gardening, okay? I can do this. It's simple. There's, like, just a couple things. If I forget to water it, it's okay because, like, it's in a cup. And it probably has moisture still in it, unless you're sprung a hole in them. Sorry for that. Maybe that was traumatizing. And I know some good counselors. So, um... Maybe this is your idea of gardening, but here's what I know. Uh, traveling this summer, uh, we got to go through all the way from Louisville, driving back, and that was a crazy road trip. It was awesome fun. And we met some friends in Nebraska. And here's what I remember from Nebraska. Cornfields as far as the eye could see. Anyone ever been to Nebraska? You're not missing much if you haven't been. I mean, it's just basically this. I don't know if you have the cornfield here. Uh, if you put that picture up real quick, uh, and you'll pretty much know what it's like, okay? So there's Nebraska. Okay, Um, so now you've all been and you've gotten the best part of it. Now, they have great corn. I'm not going to, like, the reason Nebraska corn huskers, I guess, that's not intimidating, but um, they, they have a lot of corn. They really do. And there's just fields upon fields and miles upon miles. And here's what I know. That is way different than this. Like, I can do this. I can't do that. Like, I know that farming takes a lot of work. I have a, a friend, a good friend. Uh, I call him Cowboy Bill. Cowboy Bill I've known for a lot of years. And uh, he was at the, the church I was at before. And um, he just, he understands, like, farming, right? And he invited me out one day. And so I thought, you know, I've never had a sitters, you know, city slicker moment. So I'm just going to go. So I went. And we castrated bulls, which is another story for another time. Never forget that. Um, and he walked me through the fields of, like, his, the cotton fields he had. He, I think he grows alfalfa that goes over to France. Like, it's crazy that this guy in Winkleman, Arizona, uh, has, you know, these crops that are going overseas to things. And he, he showed me the tractor that they had. And this tractor's, like, GPS-guided. So that, like, literally it will not be off by any inch and how they do things and he talked about all the different preparation that goes into the field that goes into making things happen and setting the scene so that the best possible way this crop can grow and produce what it's meant to do and it was a lot of work and i i never told him you know i've done this i don't understand what you do in this sense like dirt a seed a little bit of water windowsill that's all I've done. And, and here's, here's where I'm going with this. I think when we're talking about this idea of seeking wisdom, sometimes we can approach life and the idea of, okay, I just need this much wisdom. Just give, me, just give me this. You know, just simple little things. And listen, listen, that's good. It's good to have that kind of wisdom. It's better than nothing. But when the Bible talks about seeking wisdom and pursuing it like a treasure... And yet you've got to find this treasure. It will benefit you. What it's speaking about is this intensity, not like this, but like the fields. And it takes a lot of work. And, you know, we started this series kind of looking at this notion of wisdom, that wisdom is this idea, this knowledge, but it's not just knowledge. It's this insight, but it's not just insight. It's this, it's something bigger than that, that actually begins to help you navigate the twists and turns of life in the best possible way, and that you Need to pursue it in fact solomon in proverbs that 's the kind of the primary book we 're looking at, but there 's other wisdom literature in the Bible speaks of this idea of how we are supposed to pursue wisdom it 's worth your your mighty pursuit and everything you can put into it. It will come back to you tenfold if you search for it it 's necessary and we look, kind of looked at this book of Proverbs is kind of like this Uh, This original life's little instruction book In a lot of ways Has a lot of wisdom on on relationships And managing money And how to navigate future decisions And how how to gauge decisions in life Because here's what we know Not every decision in life Is black and white, right or wrong, right? That there's a lot of preference decisions And decisions that you could go either way on But you know that the decision Will make an impact And have an impact And leave an imprint upon your life Depending on where you go And so how do you make the thousands of decisions that you need to make in an every given month and the same that I need to make in an every given month? That if you were to think about it just logically, about all the decisions you have, it would be overwhelming, wouldn't it? But you just naturally kind of go through and do it. And sometimes we make decisions based on past experience. Sometimes we make decisions just on luck or just like, eh, whatever. Um, Sometimes we flip a coin. Sometimes we exercise wisdom. And what the writer of Proverbs, Solomon and the other writers of that, are saying to us is she want to pursue it. We kind of looked at this idea. He he kind of puts this notion throughout the book of Proverbs that if you miss wisdom, you will wander. That the trajectory of your life will take you to a place that maybe in your heart of hearts you didn't want to be. But if you don't exercise wisdom, you don't seek it, you don't try to store it up and try to build it in your own life, that you will wander. In fact, we kind of have this this verse that we're using for this whole series. It's this, Proverbs 9, 12. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. But if you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Solomon's putting this out here, saying wisdom is worth your pursuit. We kind of said this wisdom is not automatic, but it can be acquired. That's the bottom line of this whole series. Wisdom's not automatic. You don't just get it growing up but you can acquire it if you will aim your life at it. We gave this working definition to it. It's the acquired ability to make the best godly decisions in your situations. It's this acquired ability to make the best godly decisions within your situations, that your situations are going to be different than the person sitting next to you and different than your family and different than mine, but you want wisdom in order to make the best godly decision you can in the moment you're in. That's why you pursue it. It's worth your pursuit. We know this idea that if you know the right answer, you're intelligent. But if you know the right best answer and you actually live it out, you're wise. That's the difference. It's a difference between just knowing something and actually participating in exercising this wisdom is worth our pursuit. And so this week we're going to pick up in Proverbs chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles there, uh, you can go there or you can follow on on YouVersion. I put all my notes and sermon and stuff in there and all the verses that we're going to look at. And so yes, you can look at your phone during church. Just don't play my new favorite game, Timberman. It's awesome and addicting. Don't play it. Okay, so Proverbs chapter 3, here's what Solomon is writing. Proverbs chapter 3, remember we said the first seven, eight chapters uh, of Proverbs is kind of this parental type wisdom language kind of same thing from kind of a one generation to another type thing. Chapter 8 is this wisdom has this call. Chapter 9 is this wisdom has a call and, and folly or foolishness has a call. And you have to choose which voice you're going to listen to. And then verse, and chapter 10 through the end is just all these nuggets of wisdom that will help you navigate different decisions you have in life. And so in Proverbs 3, Solomon starts off with this. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Wear them kind of like this necklace that you never take off. Wear them with you wherever you go. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Make them internal. Something that's, that goes with you, not an accessory to life, but you make sure it's part of you, is what he's saying. Then you will win favor in a good name in the sight of God, in the sight of man. My son. Can you hear the kind of parental language, this tone that's with him? He's trying to speak these life lessons over him. Now, what this sounds like, if you just read it, and if we put like music behind it, and I had a much cooler voice, it would sound like this cool movie narrative, and you're like, whoa, that's awesome. And it would feel like nothing bad would ever happen to you in life. Just by a show of hands. Anyone ever had something bad happen to you in life? Okay. How many of you consider yourself decently wise? Like, at least this size, wise. Okay. Wisdom is not some force field that goes over your life and it protects you from every challenge or tragedy or setback in life. Okay? Wisdom is not that. Because here's the truth. We live in a broken world. That's why we're praying. (laughs) I don't need to tell you that. You know that to be true. Here's what the scriptures are always saying to us through wisdom and so many other places through the Bible is, look, don't live your life for just here and now. Because if you live your life for just here and now, man, it's going to feel rough at times. In fact, it may even feel really overwhelming. And so, so often the scriptures are saying, put your hope in God, the God who is with you in the here and now, and the God who will one day wipe every tear One day set everything right and he will renew you to how it was meant to be. And so wisdom, even wisdom is saying, look, look, you want to seek me and it's important and you need me, but... Even that is, I'm not a force field to protect you from everything that goes on. There's not enough bubble wrap or precaution you can put over your life that will keep you from every set of harm or or setback that could come your way, because in a broken world, we all have to face that. But life with God through Jesus is an assurance for this life and the life to come. That's what the scripture is saying over and over. So you want to seek wisdom in every situation. So how do you go about doing that? How do you go about seeking wisdom? I want to spend the rest of the time kind of looking at this idea in a very practical kind of way, and hopefully give you a bunch of different tips and things that are coming out of this passage and, and so many other passages in the book of Proverbs alone, let alone other passages throughout the Bible. How do you go about cultivating wisdom so that one day you wake up and it's not just this size of wisdom? But it's something that's so much more and producing so much more good in your life. Because here's what we said. What you want at the end of the day is toward the end of your life to be able to look back and say, that was a life well lived. Wisdom helps you say that and mean it. And that's what I think, what we all want. And so how do you go about cultivating wisdom? Uh, I think Solomon says something really key here. Here's what he says, verse one again. My son... Do not forget my teachings. Do not forget. Here's the first one. Look back for wisdom. Look back for wisdom. Recognize and remember that you have had wisdom poured into you. So often in our life, we are always about the number next about what's over the horizon, about the next step, the next stage, the next season of life. And we end up putting all of our attention toward the future, and that's a good thing. In fact, the scripture will say to us, hey, forgetting what's behind, press on to what's ahead. But elsewhere in scripture, it will call us to remember. And here's what wisdom is saying. Here's what Solomon is saying in a very parental kind of tone. Remember. Look back to the wisdom that's been poured into your life. Now, here's what I know about the people in this room. Every one of you had parents. Yeah, we all have that in common. High five. Okay. Um, We all had parents. And here's what I know about that. For some of you, you had awesome parents. For me, I did. I was blessed with awesome parents and they poured a ton into me. Listen, listen, they weren't perfect because there is no parent who's perfect on the planet. That's That's a myth, okay? But they were healthy and they were whole and they invested a ton into me. And they invested a lot of wisdom into me. Wisdom that maybe in the moment I was in I didn't even recognize. Anyone ever been there? When your parents are trying to tell you something, you're like, whatever, old man. I know better. Right? Anyone ever been there? I did that once. <laughs> I did it several times. Um, but here, here's what wisdom, I think, is, is calling us to. Uh, you've already been invested into. Look back and mine it. How do you get a field ready to plant? You've got to tear it up. You've got to cultivate. You don't just throw seed on the ground and hope it rains. You've got to do some preparation work in the field. And I think that's what Solomon is getting to here. It's my son, remember, look back. You've been invested into. In fact, if I were to give you 20 seconds right now, I want you to actually stop and literally think about the people who've invested into you. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was coaches. Maybe it was family friends who were, were friends with your family or maybe neighbors, maybe it was grandparents. I want you to literally think of like two names that you can think of right now that you'd say, yeah, that was a person that invested in me. Maybe I recognized it in the moment. Maybe I didn't. Do you have a couple names? Because it's important. I think all throughout our journey, it's really easy for us to always think about the future and to forget that we have been invested into. And it's important for us to create some space to contemplate that. Wisdom is this thing that you have to, you have to build. You have to search for. You have to create time. You have to create space for you to, to think about it, to dwell upon it. And so this week is real simple. I want you to think back to some people who have invested into you. Now, I know for some of you, the whole idea of this parental tone is like preacher dude... You don't understand my family. My family was like messed up. I'm happy I survived and got out. And that might be true. And if that is true, here's what I would say first and foremost. I'm really sorry. I really am. I wish that was different for you. That wasn't fair for you. It wasn't the best for you. And I know that you've had maybe some challenges and some burdens that you've carried around that maybe other people next to you have never had to carry the weight of that. And it changed you, and it shaped you a little bit. But here's what I would say, too. Even you can look back. Here's why. You can mine wisdom from positive experiences, and listen, listen, and from broken experiences, too, can't you? Here's what you can do, and we've all done this. We see things play out in the world relationally with people we're attached to. And what do we say sometimes when we see something negatively unfold? Typically, what happens and triggers in your mind right away is you say, I'm never going to do that. Right? And you think in your mind, listen, that's mining wisdom. That's cultivating wisdom. To be able to see patterns in other people or see patterns in other things, in other scenarios, other situations, circumstances, to be able to look at it and say, I don't want that for my life I want to choose something different and here's what I would say to you who are maybe from that situation you've got a lot of stuff against you in your life and growing up experiences it's not a fun memory to go back to I'd still challenge you to look back and to mind what you can and listen you might be the pioneer in your family tree to create something new and better and different do it don't let the cycle continue. Don't. In God's power, break free from that. And you pioneer with God's power a new trajectory. If you miss wisdom, you will, what? Wander. Friend, you don't have to wander like people in your past. You can choose differently. That's wisdom. Wisdom can look back and say, I don't want that for my life. And so I'm going to choose and put myself on a different trajectory for myself, my kids, my future family, whatever that may be. And I just want to encourage you, you be that pioneer and we can help you. We can help you. That's what the church is for, is about pushing people forward into a new freedom in Christ into new hope and new stories being written. Life lessons is what I call this for my kids. So if you're a parent, here's a parenting tip. I learned it from my mom. One of the best things I remember is that from time to time she would stop. She would look me square in the eye, eye to eye, knee to knee, and she would say, this is a life lesson for you. So, ever since my kids were born, even before they could speak, I would have this conversation. It was way better when they were little because they really cared. As the older they've gotten, they've just endured this. And here's how I do it, literally. I get 90 seconds, and I time myself. And I I literally tell them, in fact, if you were to ask them tonight, hey, does your dad give you life lessons? They'll probably do this. Yes. But you know what? Awesome. Because they're getting it. And here's what I do. I can walk through life. We may be going through different things. Uh, We had a a story unfold in our house just a couple days ago where uh, my daughter was trying to cook something. And it didn't quite go as planned. And she said that the directions were too confusing. And it was macaroni and cheese. (laughs) And I was like, that's really, it's step one, two, three. Um, So, but in that moment, I'm able to say, "Look, look, look, here's a life lesson. Okay. We all make mistakes. The best way to move forward is to learn from them. When you have a mistake, when a mistake happens in life, learn from it and do it better next time. That was my life lesson, okay? That took what, 20 seconds? And so all throughout my life, all throughout their three lives growing up, they've endured probably what 90 seconds feels like an hour to them. Um, but preacher guy can go for a long time, so I have to limit myself. And I want them to have nuggets of truth, of wisdom, That will help them. Because you know what? Anyone ever made a mistake before? Raise your hand real high. Because we're all family here. We've all made mistakes. You know the best thing to do when you make a mistake is? Learn from it. Don't set yourself up to repeat it again. If you can avoid it, learn from it. Don't you think that's wise? How many people do you know that make mistakes and then don't learn from it And they just keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. Anyone know anybody like that? Yeah. Is that wise? No, it's exhausting. Right? And so you have to create space for this. Uh, The second one I would say is this. Listen deeply versus listen quickly. We live in a culture that loves to go fast. Fast everything we do how many of you watch shows anymore with commercials how many of you tivo everything and speed through the commercials right that's us that's the culture in which we we just want the content none of the fluff okay just i don't want to know about deodorant i got some you know it's just i just want to know who won america's got talent that's all i want to know or whatever show that you watch or what it is it's just the treehouse one where the guy on the, i don't know what animal planet builds a treehouses Sweet show. Um, So, like, I just want to know when the treehouse is done. I just want to see that. And so you want to fast forward everything. So we listen quickly. We begin to skim even through conversations that we have, don't we? We live in a hurry all the time. And we can begin to walk through life at the same pace. And it's pushing us. Everything in our culture wants to push us faster. Go faster. Be quicker. Listen quickly. And here listen. Wisdom speaks really slow. Wisdom is found in the margins of life. You may hear a bumper sticker that triggers a word of wisdom. Good for you. My hunch is most often you have to create space and margin in life to be able to process when you look back, to be able to actually glean wisdom in the moments you're in from the people you're surrounding yourself with, from the things that you're reading, from the things you're searching after with God. It probably won't happen in a hurry. One of my favorite theologians, uh, his name is Dallas Willard. Anything you can read from Dallas Willard, I'd tell you, read it three times. He is that, he is that tight with God. He's with God now. And that guy is, his relationship with Jesus is brilliant uh, and beautiful. And he speaks of this when he talks about hurry and, and this idea of wisdom. Here's what he says. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life walking with Jesus. We can be fast in times. Here's what you know about Jesus reading through the Gospels. Jesus was very busy, wasn't he? But Jesus was never hurried. And there's a huge difference. How many of the miracles that happened in Jesus' day that we read about in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, happened on the way to something else? Dozens that we read about. What we would see is an interruption. He never did. Why? Because he wasn't hurried. He was busy. He had lots to do. He was occupied. But he wasn't hurried internally. And friends, if you want to be a person that cultivates wisdom, you have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from inside of your life. For some of you, that may be hitting pause, on a few activities. For some of you, it may just be a pace that's just internally become a part of who you are. And my encouragement to you is create some space in margin. Create time. You cannot look back in a hurry. You cannot mine and cultivate and learn things from positive experiences and negative experiences, from successes and from mistakes if you're always in a hurry because you've moved on to number next and you don't have the opportunity the space or the bandwidth to actually mine and cultivate wisdom from what you just went through does that make sense wisdom is something you want to cultivate you have to pause you have to see it you know remember we looked at this last week James chapter 1 verse 5 says this if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask god for it he gives generously to all who f- find you fault it will be given to you my hunch is it won't come quickly I don't know if you've ever had conversations with God or prayers with God where you're like, hey, I need an answer now. I have. I typically don't get it right now. Why? That's what my toddler does, right? Give me the cookie now! You know what? It's not dinner time yet. Let's eat dinner first. Then we'll celebrate. No, no, no. Occasionally we do ice cream first. That's awesome. Cool, parents. Um, But... A lot of times, this idea of hurry is a big part of our lives. And so, uh, here's the other thing I would say. To listen deeply, you want to make sure you're listening to some good voices. Here's what I'd say to you. Find a mentor. I've been very fortunate in my life that very early on, probably back in my middle school days, somehow that got drilled into me and I actually caught it. Where this idea of mentors, people who are further down the line than me, that I can look to them and glean wisdom from them. And so I've had tons of different mentors throughout my life. You can find a mentor. It doesn't mean you have to stay with that mentor forever. But find some people who have been through the season of life that you're in. Maybe you're here and you're like thinking about engagement, right? And you're like, okay, I kind of like you. you kind of like me. Uh, okay. Uh, do we, I don't know. Um, and so what would it be like if you're contemplating that to actually talk to some couples that are, like, further down the line, who have, like, maybe been married for 20 years, who can kind of say, look, I know you got these ideas of what marriage is like. <laughs> um, let me teach you what it's really like. And let me tell you what, how you really love. Don't you think that would be wise? yes that's how you seek wisdom you find some mentors I've had a guy uh, Tom who is gosh Tom's got to be 72 and I, I've met with him off and on and he just he's mentored pastors and he was a pastor at one time and just and I just every time I meet with him and I just ask him questions about like here's where our church is at here's what I'm struggling with here's what I'm trying to to lead us and I, I'm confused and I don't know and I just I walk out of there better for having met with a wise counselor. Find a mentor. Wisdom seeks it out. Uh, third thing, wisdom has a God-centered trust. Go back to Proverbs 3. Here's what it says, verses 5 um, through 7-ish. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Now, here's a famous verse that we probably have all heard. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Good job, just so I can get a drink. Okay. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. Can I give you a little bit of background? In the Hebrew language, which is what a lot of the Old Testament is written in, uh, this idea of trust is this notion of to be able to lie aimlessly and kind of helplessly face down, vulnerable and dependent on the ground. So it's not this idea of, hey, go pick out my ice cream flavor. I trust you to get one that I'll like. Okay, no, it's not like this, I'm, I'm going to trust you with like a little bit. It's this idea of vulnerability. I'm saying, God, I want to trust you with everything I've got. So I'm going to lay down face down here. I'm gonna, not going to move. And we would look at that and go, Ugh, that's vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, that's called trust. Right? Sometimes, especially when we've been wounded and hurt by people who broke our trust, it's really challenging to trust God. There, there's no shortcut to that, friends. How do you trust God? Two words baby steps. That's what I give you. Baby steps. Just start small and begin to trust God again. I promise you, He will not let you down. That doesn't mean it's a force field and nothing bad happens in your life. But it does mean this. God, I'm I'm looking in your direction instead of just looking on my own. I'm going to trust trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. This idea, lean on, not is this idea of to prop oneself up. So like, To prop myself up on this table, I'm putting my weight on this table. It spins, so I'm trying really hard with my core to. Okay, Um, so sad, I know. Um, But to prop yourself up in God's direction toward Him, here's what that looks like: when you come to situations and decisions you have to make and navigate in life, when your gut says I want to do this and God's word is clear about you should do this, here's what that means. Lean not on your own understanding, but lean on Him. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust in your heart. Trust God with your heart. Lean on His understanding. And it will go well with you. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Solomon's teaching. And trying to pass this on. Here's what wisdom actually does it begins to view things and see things differently. It begins to trust in the Lord. Now, that seems really straightforward. Let me be really honest. That is tough to do, isn't it? It's tough. It's not easy. This Christian faith thing is not for wimps. Okay? We live by grace. But grace calls us forward in obedience. And it's saying, God, man, every one of my neighbors gets to do this. And I don't understand why I can't. But your word says, that's not the best for me. And I want to acquire the ability to make the best godly decisions in the moments I'm in. All right, I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust in your path. That it's actually going to get me to where I want to go and I won't wander. That's what wisdom does. It begins to help you guide that. Here's a fourth one this. Uh, Part of cultivating wisdom is this. Wisdom knows, wisdom does. Wisdom knows, wisdom does. Wisdom does not come in an app, it comes through application. Wisdom doesn't come in an app. Sure, you can get a wisdom code of the day sent to you. Good for you. Okay, prove the preacher wrong. Um, wisdom comes through application. Here's what it means. You actually have to practice this. It isn't enough just to know it, to read it, to study it. You actually have to take a step with wisdom. You have to practice it. If, if I were to tell you to become a great surgeon you have to practice being a surgeon, right? Anyone ever had surgery? I've had several. If you show up before surgery, for those of you who have not had surgery and your surgeon says things like this, hey, I'm ready. I watched some YouTube videos last night. You run, okay? That's not a good surgeon. If your surgeon shows up and says, man, I know my training, I'm winging it today. (laughs) Run. That's not a good surgeon. Are you with me? One more. If your surgeon shows up and says, I'm ready. I got a great night's sleep at the Holiday Inn Express and I read a book over here while my mom drove. No. He's a poser. That's not a surgeon. You only become a great surgeon by what? Practicing to become a great surgeon. You only grow wise by practicing wisdom. You can read all you want. You can study all you want. Is that good? Yes, read, study, do it. But if you never practice it, you won't be applying wisdom. You'll just be intelligent. If you know the right answer, you're intelligent. If you know the right best answer and thing to do and you actually do it, you're wise. See the difference? Wisdom practices. It does this thing. Wisdom doesn't come in an app. It comes through application. How do you apply it? I'll go back to baby steps. Anyone ever seen What About Bob? Do yourself a favor and watch that movie. Um, what about Bob? Bill Murray, right? It's this guy. He's got major issues. His psychologist goes on vacation. He's been meeting with his psychologist or psychiatrist. And he, 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 everywhere he goes, he's just baby steps to the elevator baby steps. Like, he's traumatized by life, but if he just focuses on baby steps, he can get around. Here's how wisdom works. Baby steps. You take steps today so that you can take strides tomorrow. You take steps today so that you can take strides tomorrow. You take baby steps. God, I want to begin exercising some baby steps and wisdom in my relationships because my relationships seem really yuck right now. My friendships are just weird. How do I begin to practice this? Well, maybe you're reading through Proverbs and you look at this idea, uh, like Proverbs 15.1, that says, a, a quiet answer turns back wrath. If you're a person that when someone challenges you, you're just like, oh, yeah! Listen, the conversation that's going to happen after that isn't going to be a good one. So maybe Proverbs 15.1 is actually smart. A gentle answer turns away wrath. So if someone comes up to you and they're ranting and raving, you say, wow, you seem really upset. (laughs) Let's talk about that. I'd love to hear what's going on. Versus back up. Okay, two different answers. Wisdom in one of them. Do you see how this works? So what's a baby step that you can take in your relationships? If your finances are a mess, What's a baby step that you can begin to take with that? What's that look like? Hey, if I go out to eat three times a day, seven times a week, I don't have any money. All right, all right, all right. What if, spitballing here, what if we just go out twice a day, six days a week, even if you skip breakfast a couple days? Oh, that's smart, preacher guy. No, that's wisdom. See, if I know the right thing, I'm smart. If I know the right thing and I do it, I'm wise. Wisdom comes with application. You've got to practice it. You've got to just begin these baby steps. What's a baby step you could take with your future plans? How do you begin to grow in this? Jesus, we're going to uh, transition here in a second. The worship team can come back up. We're going to worship and, and take communion here in a second. Jesus, one day, is giving his most famous sermon it's called the Sermon on the Mount. You can read it, Matthew uh, 5, 6, 7. In Matthew 5, 6, 7, is a sermon Jesus probably would have given several times over. And it's, a, it's one sermon, really, with one point. It's got lots of insights to how we do life and how we navigate relationships and how we approach God and how we live life with God. But there's a lot of wisdom that's packed in this thing. And in Matthew chapter seven, he kind of goes into the story where he says, look, those of you who hear my words and you put them into practice, you're like this wise man who built a house on the rock and the storms of life came and it blew against it and the tide rose but this house, this house withstood the trauma and the stress that was coming at it. But if you listen to my words, and you ignore them, and just go away, well, then you're like, you're like this foolish builder that builds his house on the sand. And he builds this house, and the winds blow against it, and the rains come, and the tide rises, and his house is just demolished. What Jesus is saying, Really simply, remember we looked at this last week, wisdom is personified in Jesus. It, it's, God knew that we needed more than just wisdom on a page, a manual to look at. We needed an example to see this is how you live. And so Jesus is teaching. And he says, look, those of you who listen to my words and listen and does them, applies them, you are wise, You're like this wise builder that builds this house, and it stands, and it blesses, and it's good. So that you can look back at the end and say, that was a life well lived. Don't you want that? We're going to continue on in worship and observe uh, communion. We do this every week here where we, we pause and we take a moment. We literally create some space and some margin in life. In a lot of ways, it's, it's about re-anchoring ourselves to the grace and the hope and the personal touch of God to your life, to my life. To say that God said, look, we are separated and I want a relationship with you. And so he pursues us and he sent his son on a mission for you, a rescue mission, to everyone who looks to him and puts their trust, who leans not in their own understanding, but props himself up with Jesus, trust in him, then you get to have life with God. And Jesus said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to, to take that, that bread that represented my body I want you to take that juice that represented the blood that I shed on your behalf for your sin, your brokenness, your shame, that you don't have to be known by that anymore. You are made new. You are a new creation. And now you get to walk forward in wisdom, with wisdom, personified in your life. And so, Father, we pray as we take communion here, as we sing some of these songs, God, we want to be people that cultivate wisdom in us. So God, each one of us, maybe this week, what's it look like to take a baby step? What's it look like to to find a mentor? What's it look like to create space or margin or to look back? What's it look like to begin to cultivate this this wisdom and begin to apply it? Each one of us is at a different spot. So would you nudge us in these next few moments as we remember your son Jesus, his sacrifice, his love, his grace, his smile, that he did this for us. We remember tonight. Pray that you guide our moments ahead.